We'd like to welcome everyone this morning. I appreciate um, Travis and the guys helping me out when we thought we were going to have to go out to t- go out of town, and we ended up. But um, I'm excited to hear what God's laid on His heart. So I'd like for us to begin this morning by going to Him in a word of prayer, praying for the ones that cannot be here, um, that would want to be here, the ones that would help. It was actually going to help me do a lot of my stuff this morning. You know, and some of them are sick this morning also, so I'd like before we begin this morning to go to God in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Most of all, Lord, we thank you for a spirit and for a relationship where we can walk through the world with you each and every day, God, and we can place our confidence in that. You know, no matter the surroundings, no matter what's going on around us, we know that we have direct access. We know we have a relationship with the one and only God. You know, a God that is bigger than this world, bigger than anything that we consider, you know, to be a huge deal. We know that yet he has a purpose in our life. So yet, since he has that purpose in our life, he has everything under control. And as Paul writes, he has from day one. You know, so Father, we thank you for that relationship. We ask that you bless the ones that could not be here this morning due to sickness. God, we ask that you go, you minister to them. And God, that there is healing that there is restoration, Father. We we ask that you go be with them this morning so that yet they can return because they want to be here. We ask all these things in your son's name, knowing that you are more than enough. Amen. So, once again, we thank you all for coming this morning. And uh, I'm not going to title mine Positive Points by Pollock because he's probably already got the patent on that, and it's really good. So, you know, this morning starting off, I was thinking, you know, with the news and everything, which we don't watch the news a whole, whole lot at our house, but we do, there's, you know, we watch the weather and stuff like that, you know, but we do have a lot of access. We live in a world where everything's at our fingertips with the phone, no matter what it may be, you know, we have direct access to all these things so we can see. So, you know, when things come about, they're even a bigger deal now, you know, they're, they're huge, you know, and so we were sitting on the couch after we got done eating dinner last night in my you know, my son, he, he got this electrical set for Christmas. It's electronics. You can build certain things. You can put certain pieces together. And, you know, and, and, and it runs a circuit. You know, it's not mainly what I do for a living, you know, but it's you, you can put things together and they work like small 12-volt fans. You run them off of two, two AA batteries. And so he's like, Daddy, I want you to help me build this, you know, real quick before I got to go to bed. Well, he had picked out like the most advanced one. There was, you know, so it's like this is a 30-minute job because it's all these little parts and pieces, but when you get done, it does. It completes the circuit. Well, we got done, and everything was put together. You know, it was quiet. We were watching something on TV, and, you know, he flips the switch on this thing. And when he flips the switch, you know, i have been putting all this stuff together. I hadn't really realized what all this thing, you know, what all was inside when we were putting these things together. Well, not only was there a light, not only was there a fan, there was three different alarms. And in the alarms, you could actually, there was one big speaker about this big. You could actually take your hand and run over this sensor, and it would cut them on and off. You know, so right before bedtime last night, he was doing this, and three different alarms were going off and all kinds of stuff. You know, so in what seemed to be like a quiet time, we had complete and utter chaos in our house, you know. And this went on for like maybe five minutes, and I was like, look, buddy, you got to turn that thing off. It's driving me crazy. You know, because it's like you got three different kinds of alarms going over each other, you know, and doing all this. You know, so last night when I was laying to bed, I just felt led to go to uh, to John the 8th chapter. And in that, with everything that's going on, 
we, we're familiar with John 8 chapter probably because Jesus forgives the adulterous woman in there. You know, but right after Jesus forgives the adulterous woman, we find out that he has a, he has a conversation with the Pharisees. And they come to him, and they want to know exactly who gave Jesus the authority to tell that woman that her sins were forgiven. And she didn't, and for him not to judge her and tell her to go and sin no more. You know, and, and as we read on, you know, Jesus tells us something very important. You know, Jesus, it's, it's more than just for our lives and how we're living today. Jesus tells us more than just, well, you know, I'm the son of God. He gives me this authority. Jesus will actually reference, you know, how we know we can place confidence in certain things. You know, Jesus, what he's going to tell the Pharisees later on after, after, the, after the adulterous woman is that, we serve a God to where we can be positive. We serve a God to where we can know that we have a direct relationship. And i like for us to go to John 8, verse 19 this morning. And it says, Then they asked, Just who is the father of yours? Where is he from? And Jesus answered, You wouldn't ask this question if you knew who I am or who my father is. For if you knew me, you would recognize my father also. You know, and then Jesus goes on in a couple of verses later, he goes on and tells them that the issue is, is that we have not opened up our heart and received that message. You know, it's an issue with us. You know, there, there's a recognition that has to take place. And understanding that recognition, Jesus tells us that is bigger than, you know, it, it's bigger than just our problems. It's bigger than just trying to figure out who gives us the authority. Jesus said, you would not even be worried about the authority if you knew me. And if you knew me, you would know my father. Now, in that verse, there is a, there's a giant thing about, oh, well, I come from Abraham. And Jesus is like, look, you don't get it. You don't, you don't know who your father is because if you did, you would accept me. But, you know, the importance, the importance of them verses this morning is telling us is that no matter what's going on around us, no matter our cares, no matter our problems, you know, Jesus is telling us if we, if, if, if we open up our heart and we embrace who our Father truly is, if we open up our heart to the message, that it doesn't matter in any situation that we're going through, we know that we serve a God to where we can have peace. We serve a God where we can have confidence. You know, we, we serve a God that we can have a direct relationship and a walk with Him in our lives right now. And Jesus said that is made possible just by us opening up our heart and embracing the truth. Last week, you know, we looked at when the, when, the, when the leper came back and he told Jesus, you know, you have healed me. There is a recognition. We understand that. But he says, you know what has made you whole? Your faith. Your faith has healed you and has given you salvation. You know, and he embraced that and he came back to Jesus. You know, and, and, and what Jesus is telling us this morning is something that will help and strengthen us and guide our walks, you know, through each and every day, through each and every situation in our life. Thank you. Right, everybody hear me? All right, all right. Thank y'all for letting me speak this morning. You know, hands up for John Williams. He does this every week. There's a lot of time that goes into speaking up here, and um, he was supposed to be out of town this weekend, like you said, but his plans got canceled. So uh, I'm supposed to do the speaking, and uh, so we're just gonna kind of give him a break this week, and uh, we're kind of switching roles. And uh, I'm gonna do my best to bring you a message that God's put on my heart, and hopefully it'll at least last 15 minutes because. Uh, I don't think I'm meant to be a long-term speaker. 
I mean, I enjoy doing the men's meetings, and I like doing the positive points by Pollock. It's short and sweet and to the point, kind of like I am. But I'll uh, do my best this morning. And my wife told me if I run out of uh, stuff to talk about, I can just talk about how great a wife I have. So uh, I, uh, I always like to start off with something funny. And uh, Charlie knows and John knows when we come to men's meeting, men's meeting, I always pick on Ben Bright. And uh, I've been doing a series about young little Ben. He's been up to all kinds of no good. And uh, this joke's got a lot of, uh, it's kind of about sick, sickness and stuff, kind of pertinent to stuff going on now. I just thought it would kind of uh, break the ice a little bit and get me a little bit, you know, looser up here. But anyways, uh, little Ben, he was in church with his mom. Now, this is a long time ago, right? Ben's pretty old. Uh, if he's if, if he was in here, you'd tell him you heard this. Little Ben, a little, uh, ben was in church a long time ago when he suddenly felt sick. A barf attack was coming. He said, Mom, I think I'm going to throw up. She told him, run outside as fast as you can. Run across the lawn and go behind the bushes. Because out, you know, there's, there weren't no bathrooms inside at this time. There's outhouses. So uh, he started, he took off, and he was taken off of the door. And less than a minute later, he returned to his seat next to his mom. She said, and he had an obvious look of relief on his face. She said, did you make it all the way to the bushes that quick, Johnny? He said, I didn't have time to go that far that mama. Just as I got to the front door, I found a box that had a sign on it that said, For the Sick. <laughs> All jokes aside, I hit on this subject last men's meeting, and I won. wasn't really going to use it, but God's led me to some more scripture and more elaborate and a deeper lesson. So hopefully someone in here will get something out of it. And something I do, I find that a lot of my studying leads to, it preaches to myself too. Um, it's funny how God lays stuff out for you like that. I always pray and ask for guidance. 99% of the time, the whole study, you know, was for me to deepen my faith and to get closer to God. And um, I titled this one, What Do You Live For? Um, but uh, you're, did any of you stay awake in history class? Like, I had a hard time in history class. But uh, I'm not even sure if they teach this subject anymore. But if you were to read the Declaration of Independence, you'd find yourself reading the familiar famous quote, that all men are created equal. And we are endowed by a creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But to sum this up, it means we're blessed by God to be alive first because life is truly a gift. But, and also, we're blessed to live in a country where we are free and we can freely pursue what makes us happy. We can live for whatever we want to live for. So the question is, what do you live for? What makes you get up in the morning and get moving in life? If you were to ask yourself what makes you happy, or if you were to finish this sentence, what would you end it with? For me to live is blankety, blankety, blank. Well, many people in this world, they'd answer this differently, but all the answers would have a similarity for the pursuit of happiness. You know, some people would say, I live one day at a time. I live for the moment. I live for the paycheck coming on Friday. Some would say, I live for the pleasure, I live for the excitement or the buzz or the rush that life brings you, you know, whether from alcohol, drugs, or the life of making, or the high of making money, or being successful, or parties, or whatever, it could go on and on. But for this, the Bible says, and tells us clearly in 1 Timothy 5, 6, she who is living for pleasure is dead while still alive, meaning spiritually dead. Or we can go to Philippians 3, 19, where Paul says, they are headed for destruction. 
their God is their appetite, their minds on earthly things. From this, some people live for possessions, always wanting more and more stuff, the newest, shiniest thing, the newest phone, the new car. Their appetite won't be filled until they have it. You know, Solomon in Ecclesiastes 2, 10, and 11 writes about this. Solomon, he was a very wealthy man. He had a ton of possessions. He had houses. He had wives, silver, gold. He had more than anybody. But as you can see in the scripture, it says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless for chasing after the wind. And when we come to the more popular verse in Mark 8, 36, it says, what would it profit you to gain the whole world but lose your soul? You know, from here, some people live to get even. We all know the people who are always in a bad mood, love to be in the middle of a conflict. They love to be the last and final word in the conflict. Just waiting for someone to say something or do something so they can chime in. You know, these people have a short fuse that explode on a dime. Speaking of a short fuse, I got a small story to tell you. I was in I was in high school and I brought firecrackers to school one day. Even though I knew the Lord, I was living to try and fit in. You know, it'd be cool. And my plan, great plan, was to light this firecracker and step on it so it would like just muffle. You know what I mean? And uh, I was trying to be cool and be a rebel. But uh, long story short, it had a short fuse, and it went off. Wow! Some plan that was, I got in trouble. Anyways, these people with the short fuse aren't about live and let live. It's about live and let die, you know. So there are countless things people live for if you sit and think about it. But like I said, all these things, it's just people are living for different scenarios on the pursuit of happiness. And it's funny how you age that different things come and go that are supposed to make you happy. You know, I can remember right here in the church preschool down the hall, we had show and tell. I brought my Ninja Turtle. It had a cool backflip action. You pressed the legs down and it had a little spring, and when you did that, it did backflip. And you know, I don't think there was a reward for show and tell, but I would have got it, you know. Because uh, everybody loved that toy, and I had so much attention around me. And just showing off that toy and everybody loving it and their attention just made me happy. Fast forward to 1998 or 1999. I was eight or nine years old. And there was one big craze going on I just had to have a shirt of. And I can joke about it now because the whole craze was funny. And that's Pokemon. Now, before you joke on me about it, just know that you weren't cool you didn't have any Pokemon cards in the third grade. And you could trade these cards and make friends. And I still have a few friends today that I wouldn't have if it hadn't been because of Pokemon. And now that Mr. TJ's sitting in here, uh, it was so widespread. Mr. TJ used to chase us down in church and stuff, man. He banned it from church. And if he seen you with him, he'd take them things, wouldn't he, Mr. TJ? But anyways, I remember my mom always used to shop at Goodies for clothes. And I seen this long sleeve Pokemon shirt. I had to have. Now, I was a husky boy. At least that's what my mom said. She said, oh, you're not fat, you're husky. You know? And uh, I was pudgy, to say the least. And the shirt was a size too small, but I still had to have it. And it made me happy. I wore that thing to school proud, even though it was kind of tight around my flabby area. And uh, I was cool. You know what I mean? It made me happy. Would you think that I'd be cool if I showed up to me and Mary's first date wearing that Pokemon shirt years later? Like, what's up, babe? 
you know, you got to catch them all. You're the greatest catch of them all, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, I don't think that would have worked out too well. But uh, all that time, I was chasing for other things that would make me happy. And uh, years later, you know, the next thing was my license to drive, then my firecracker rebel days, and try to fit in and be cool, then chasing after the almighty dollar just so I could put some gas in the tank and drive. All this pursuit of happiness, chasing things after stuff that they say that will make you happy, we're told this is the American dream, you know. It's what we're supposed to do. But as you can see, how things you chase after change over the years and years, you know, from a kid to a teen to an adult, and if you keep pursuing that thing that'll make you happy, it'll always change. Because happiness is really conditional. You know, it's an emotion that's controlled by outward experiences. You know, if you're living like this, your life will be kind of like a roller coaster, you know what I mean? One minute you're doing great on top of the world, but as soon as something bad happens in your life, it kind of falls apart. That's because, like I said, it's conditional. Everything has more control over your life than you do. Like some people's alarm clock, if you wake up late, you're sometimes bad about it, hitting the snooze button. The next thing you know, I'm supposed to be at work at 7.30, it's 7.10. Oh, man, my whole day, you know what I mean? And uh, there's some people at work, you know, I see it all the time. Um, if the boss tells them something that they don't like, their whole week is messed up because other things have more control over their life than they do. And you think about it, living for that pursuit of happiness, it isn't a good way to live at all because once you achieve one thing, it's on to the next thing. You know, once you get that Pokemon shirt, hey, it's on to saving up to get that car and license. That's why many people, even Christians, you know, we're in a spiritual rut. Like, we're never satisfied. We're just enduring the present, living day by day. And we love the word someday. You know, like, someday I'll get that car. Someday I'll get that promotion. Someday I'll be able to retire. Uh, someday something better will happen if I could just have fill in the blank and be happy. Just think about how much that pursuit of happiness would cost over time. It'd get real expensive real quick. Not just about the dollar value. What else have we compromised in our life chasing after that pursuit of happiness? And once you spend your life chasing after that feeling, we find life passes by so quick that before you know it, Face the real we face the reality that one day there will be more life behind us than in front of us. Then we realize that there's been a lot of time wasted living for nothing, living our lives distracted, dissatisfied because we chase after things that leave us empty. Then one day all of our lives will end and we face eternity. So what should we live for? You know, each of us know that answer, right? We should live for Jesus. So when the afterlife approaches and it's not if, it's when it will approach because we're all going to die. It's, it's, a, it's a promise from God, you know. It's not a bad thing if we're prepared for it because greater things await us in heaven that we can't even imagine. This is why Paul explains to us that those who are prepared to meet our Lord when we die are really ready to live. He says that in Philippians 1.21, and we've all heard this verse, for me to live is Christ and die is gain. Now let me just stop right there and say being happy isn't a bad thing at all. I was just mainly speaking towards something else in your life outside of Jesus that takes the place of him to make us happy. Because the Bible talks many times of joy coming from the Lord, especially in this last part I'm about to talk about in the book of Philippians. You know, Paul, he's, he's really the man in, you know, the New Testament. He, uh, 
he had such a great redemption story, and he wrote the book of Philippians as a prisoner. And he really had nothing to be happy about. You know, he was locked up. He didn't know what was going to happen the next day. He was waiting to hear whether he'd be hung. He could be enslaved, locked up the rest of his life. Who knows what could have happened to him. But yet he wrote the book of Philippians, and it's one of the more cheerful, uplifting, and happy books in the Bible. Many times he states in the sentences with the words joy and peace, and he begins the words, sorry. He begins the sentences with joy and peace. Because he knew something greater, and he had a relationship with Jesus that anchored him, and that his joy didn't come from chasing outward things and feelings. His joy came from Jesus. His joy stayed with him in any situation and gave him peace and strength. He was content with the will God had in his life for him, no matter the cost. And there's a word right there that I've really been trying to be better at in my walk with Christ, and that's content. You know, there's a time in everyone's life where we really don't like that word because, you know, our human emotions don't like where we're at sometimes. But really, being content is a prerequisite of joy. You know, just think about it. How much joy can you have in your life if you're in a situation you're not okay with? You can't have any. I mean, many people always ask God to make us happy and fill our hearts with joy, but we're not okay with the position he's put us in at that moment. We have to be content with what God has given us, then he will give us that joy. Philippians 4.11 says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever circumstances. So even for Paul, this contentness, contentness, whatever, I don't know how to say it, contentness, <laughs> as he had to learn it. But he mastered it, and he gives us a perfect example for us to live by. This true content is not conditional, but is anchored in Christ. And it continues in verse 12 and 13. It says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to be abound. In in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of dealing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things which Christ, through Christ who strengthens me. And this is a perfect example of how and who we should be living for. Paul has been through a lot, but he knows God so well that he's content in any situation. He knew that when you are fully accept God's will in your life and live fully for God, his joy and strength comes you know, from the Lord and the Lord only. And he's prepared to fulfill that will no matter what road he leads him down. And it says in Philippians 1 verse 12, these things that happened to me will help the furtherance of the gospel. You know, Paul knew exactly what he was there to endure, and he knew what he was enduring because that's where God wanted him to be, and it worked because here we are 2,000 years later talking about Paul. And uh, that was a lot quicker than I thought it would be. That was like six pages too. But anyways, I ended up with this... Uh, one verse, instead of living for other things, Paul writes again in Philippians 1.27 and says, live in such a way that you are a credit to the message of Christ. 
I just want to thank John again because, man, I did a lot of research. That was only like 15 minutes. So my wife, she's just the greatest. And uh, anyways, um, I'll leave it with a prayer. And um, I guess we can, I don't have anything else. But uh, let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for this word today. And if it didn't touch anybody else in here, it touched me. We thank you for the joy that you give us, but it only comes from you. We thank you for this church we have with its doors open, even in times of need where other churches are closing. We're, just, uh, we're not afraid of anything when uh, you're in the middle of our life. We have nothing to be worried about because your word says that you're going to take care of us in any need, in any situation. We thank you for everything you do in our life, Lord, and you're the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. If only people just realized that, it'd be a lot better world to live in today. Just thank you for your word. Amen.